0: Hey everyone, welcome to Rapid Reviews. So today we're going to talk about the season finale of Ahsoka, but before we get to it, it's shameless plug time. So the Kickstarter for Debt to the Ceaseless Reaper is live right now. It's my first comic and I'm really excited about it. We're already funded. The link is in the description, so please check it out. There's tons of great reward levels. We're already funded, as I said, so just help me keep the momentum going. So anyway, that's it for for that. Uh, Let's get right to the review. So the finale was titled The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord, which is a clever, albeit 25%, too cute for its own good title for the show or for the episode. Took me out of it a little bit, but it was fun. And it was weird to see Star Wars be so referential to pop culture. The episode was directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who to me has directed some of the best episodes of Star Wars TV so far. And he clearly has a knack for horror. And we'll get to that a little bit later. So as a finale, there's not a lot of plot to this episode. It's mostly action, but I think it's satisfying for the most part. I have serious issues with how the overall season has gone, but that's something we'll discuss more on the full season review next week. But given where this episode started, I think this was the best you could ask for. So it starts with Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra on their way to stop Thrawn's Star Destroyer from leaving the galaxy. After getting their shuttle shot down, they're able to quickly make it to Thrawn on the back of the wolf, horse, beast things that I should know the name of, but um, too lazy to go look it up right now. When they arrive, they encounter a bunch of stormtroopers, and as usual, the stormtroopers are easily dispatched, but then this is where the show dives into territory that live action Star Wars hasn't before. Thrawn is able to get the Night Sisters to resurrect the stormtroopers as basically zombie stormtroopers. And to me, it worked really well. I love the direction of those scenes with the zombie stormtroopers. And for the first time this season, maybe, I felt like there was genuine tension. I actually felt like the heroes were in actual peril. Like it, it worked really, really well for me. So after narrowly escaping them, Ahsoka takes on Morgan, who herself has been imbued with, I guess powers and a badass new sword. And Sabine and Ezra are heading to try to stop Thrawn and the Star Destroyer from leaving. This is where Sabine and Ezra encounter zombie death troopers who were even more insane than the stormtroopers, and they just beat the hell out of them. At one point, one is choking the life out of Sabine, and she's finally able to use the force to force-pull the lightsaber and kill the stormtrooper. Now, if I'm honest, I didn't love that scene, and that decision. I think it was really predictable. Much of the season has been centered around Sabine being unable to tap into the Force. So obviously, by the end of the season, Sabine would face some life or death situation and she would magically be able to tap into it. And I kind of wish they didn't do that. I I wish they kind of zigged where they should have zagged, or or however I would appropriately use that phrase. First, it would have subverted expectations. And more importantly, It would give the show a chance to teach that there's more to being a Jedi than just the ability to wield the force. And it would have been unexpected. There was even a moment during the episode where Ahsoka mentions that there's more to being a Jedi than just being able to wield a lightsaber. So I feel like there was was territory they could have gone with it by maybe delaying at least Sabine's ability to wield the force. And again, it was just a little predictable. So I kind of wish that they didn't go that route, but they did. So after dispatching the stormtroopers, Sabine is able to use her newly found force powers to then help assist Ezra in jumping into the Star Destroyer. Now, not going to complain too much, but if I was Ezra, I don't know that I would have trusted somebody who just figured out their ability to use the force in that moment. But okay, whatever. not going to harp on it too much. So then another interesting thing happens from a storytelling perspective that was a little perplexing to me. Early on in the season, Sabine has a choice to make. She has the orb that has the directions to Thrawn and Ezra, and she has a choice. She can give it to Balin and allow them to probably bring Thrawn back to the galaxy, but also possibly see and, and save Ezra. Or she could destroy it and save the galaxy from Thrawn, but also lose any chance of finding Ezra. So she makes the choice to give it to Balin which we're supposed to understand is the wrong choice or or is, is a choice she should not have made. And so part of her character growth would then be making a different choice later on. So in this case, she risks the galaxy to save a friend. So we would expect later on that she would make a different decision. So in this moment, she has a choice. She can go with Ezra and help him save the galaxy from Thrawn, or she could save her friend. And in this case, she makes the same decision. She stays to help Ahsoka. And so to me, it shows then no character growth because she didn't make what would be the mature decision and, and not the kind of, I guess, emotional decision. I guess another way to look at it is throughout the season, there's been this issue of Sabine and Ahsoka separating. Ahsoka kind of abandoned Sabine's training. They, on several occasions, separate and it's constantly brought up that they are better together so maybe the alternative view is just that it's she's making the choice not to leave ahsoka i guess you could look at it that way but just either way for me i felt like it was a weird bit of storytelling uh, and that i didn't quite get especially because for me it seemed as if they were going a different route with this whatever the case thrawn makes it out and is headed to dathomir ezra is able to Ezra is able to escape, and in a nice bit of fan service, he does so in Stormtrooper armor, which is a nice nod to Rebels, which there are plenty. He meets up with Hera in a moment that is supposed to mean something, and it does mean something to fans, but again, if you're a fan of Rebels, then that moment where Hera meets up with Ezra is great. And if you're not a fan of Rebels, uh, then it's probably not going to have the weight that it's supposed to have. But again, that's something we'll talk about more next week. So we also get a little bit of Balin and Shin. Balin has found this giant statue that may be related to the Mortis storylines, as I've, I've read, or may or may not. But we don't really know what he wants or why he's there. And Shin meets up with a band of raiders, and we're not sure if she's going to kill them or join them or have them follow her. And I was a little disappointed in how their stories ended, because to me, they were such... They were the primary antagonists for the first part of the season, and I get that it ultimately was Thrawn, but they felt just kind of disregarded at the end. Like at least give us something, you know, where are they going, what do they want, why are they there, and then leave some intrigue. Like I'm totally fine with open and loose threads, but I felt like for characters that were compelling and interesting and I wanted to know more about them, to just kind of have them fizzle out like they did without any information or any reason to want to follow them felt a little weird. Like, I, I wish we had a little bit more. And then in the case of Balin, um, with Ray Stevenson passing away, we, who knows what we'll get with the character. Maybe they'll recast, or maybe they will tell it via exposition or something, but I just wish we had a little bit more with those characters. So I did like that Thrawn effectively wins in the end. While I had issues with his depiction, I think with such little screen time, I think with such little screen time, he had to emerge victorious, and with the Night Sisters by his side, he could actually pose a serious threat to the galaxy. I think that if he had lost in the end, it would have killed the character because, as I've mentioned before, so far I have not seen the Thrawn that like I grew up to to fear in in books and. So I don't think they quite did the character justice. So if he would have lost in the end, then that would kill the character. At least there's an opportunity to really showcase him as the character that I think he should be showcased as and as the real big bad for the Mandoverse moving forward. I think the only negative thing here is that we know that he loses because we saw The Force Awakens. And by that point, Thrawn is is clearly not... A threat or not involved. So, unless the point is to send him to Dathomir and hang out there for, you know, a few decades, and then he's the big bad in episode 10, which I, which would be cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be the Mandoverse big bad, which means he gets defeated somehow. But at least hopefully we get to see him in at his full potential uh, and full intellect and as the foe that, that really could represent a threat to the galaxy. So, all things considered, I think it was an exciting finale. And while I may not have made the same decisions to get there, I think it ended in the right place. And as a standalone episode of TV, it's probably to me the second best episode of the season. So I give it an 8.25. And next week, we'll talk a little bit more about the season as a whole where there were some issues. But for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to the channel. And while you're at it, leave a review. We can be found on all social media platforms at portable underscore whole. We can be found on all podcast platforms at portable whole publishing. We can be found on the web at portable And you can email us at portable pub at gmail.com.